0: welcome to the life fellowship ministries international broadcast our mission is to develop maintain and model personal intimacy with jesus christ be sure to visit us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and now join us for the life fellowship experience lord we pray that you would pour into us that you would speak into our hearts and lives lord god that you would uh, open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today, that we would walk away changed because you've downloaded into us, you've touched our heart, you've spoken into our lives, Lord God, and we've received from you. Anytime we encounter you, it changes our our lives. It changes our hearts. So, Father, we pray this prayer with great expectation, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen, amen. It's so good to see everyone here. I'd like to release the children's ministry and the youth. You guys are welcome to go back. And uh, wow, what a great day we had! A little rain on the on the yard today, and hopefully, we'll get some more. So, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're in this series. Uh, navigating change, and, and I'm not even going to try to insult your intelligence by talking about the changes that are going on today. But it's incredible. And and la- uh, two weeks ago we talked about the old covenant, uh, and then last week we talked about the new covenant. So if you missed any of those sermons, you can go back online and watch those. But I, I want to just touch on a couple of things to wrap up from last week about the new covenant. Um, we know, and, and you've heard me say this many times before, but blessings follow obedience, and I don't know how much clearer the Lord can be in his word, and I don't know how much clearer Moses could have been to the children of Israel when they were going into the promised land, but God always desires to bless us. It's, it's his good pleasure to bless his children and to pour out his blessings upon us. And that began in the Garden of Eden when, when God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And that has never changed. It's always been his desire to have this personal intimate relationship with us. And uh, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, 1, 1 and 2 just to kind of refresh us on this, the importance of following uh, the Lord and, and, and obeying Him. If you, if you fully obey the Lord your God, this is Moses talking, he says if, so we know whenever we see the word if, it's what? It's conditional. If you, I will, if you obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And then let's look at it, uh, verse 2 here in the New American Standard Bible. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. So uh, sometimes I think we need to be reminded of his goodness and that his blessings will tackle us, they will overtake us, they will surround us. We can walk in the blessings, but it is conditional upon our choice to choose to obey and follow him. Um, So I'm going to move on to our topic for today. Maybe somebody needed to hear that. Maybe I needed to hear that. <laughs> so God loves us, and uh, today I'll be talking about constant through change. Remain. How do we hold, how do we remain constant in the days of change when everything is constantly changing? From day to day, almost hour to hour, we're, we're seeing that there are constant changes. My first point this morning is God never changes. He is a constant. The circumstances around us will continue to change and shift and adjust, and, and we are a dynamic people in a dynamic situation that's always shifting and changing, but He is a constant. His love and desire for us is great his greatest desire is to have this relationship with us and that hasn't changed over the thousands of years let's look at james chapter 1 verse 17 and james says whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from god our father who created all the lights in the heavens he never changes or cast a shifting shadow and you know we you probably heard this and you probably even said that uh, God never changes. We know the Word says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I'm, I'm going to talk about God and his unchanging character. So let's look at this uh, James one seventeen in the New American Center Bible. It says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So I I like this, this version as well because there's no variation. Are we getting the point here? He doesn't change. There is no variation. Let's go to Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Verse 19 continues. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And so, again, we see another scripture that talks about the unchanging character, the unchanging uh, 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 propensity of God, that he, he remains the same. Um, let's look at 1 Samuel. Now, uh, we've talked about this, this, uh, this passage before where... Um, Samuel has, the prophet Samuel has come to King Saul, and Saul has disobeyed, Uh, the, the prophet came to, uh, Samuel came to King Saul, and he said, go and destroy these people, and the animals, and everything, and we know that, that Saul disobeyed, and uh, then he tried to hide it, because uh, Saul said, uh, I mean, Samuel said, Saul, what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear, what, what are all these animals, you were supposed to destroy them, and, uh, Saul, the king, tries to wiggle his way out of it. He says, well, you know, we wanted to bring these animals back to sacrifice to the Lord. And uh, Samuel's not buying it. And and really, in reality, Saul was lying. Because what we find out later in that story is that Saul was pressured, peer pressure, from the people that were with him to bring all these animals back. And so we find the truth of, of the story and uh, and. And we, we see here that there are implications for for uh, King Saul, that the Lord takes the kingdom from Saul and gives it to David because of his disobedience. But let's look at this verse in 1 Samuel 15, 29. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. And And so again, we see another scripture. My first point is... God never changes. He is a constant. God's love for us, my second point, and his character remains constant. Now, I want to throw something out here that maybe you've thought about and maybe you haven't thought about. Have you ever read a scripture where God has changed his mind? It's like, well, wait a minute. I see this in the scripture That God did change his mind, but did God really change his mind? We'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. But um, we're going to be looking at Jonah. But before we go to the book of Jonah, I want to give a little bit of background. Uh, Jonah's ministry was from 793 to 753 B.C., so his ministry spanned about 40 years. And uh, he was told to go to Nineveh, which was about 500 miles from Israel. And uh, uh, Nineveh is in modern-day Iraq, Nineveh was an important city in Assyria. Assyria was uh, um, another area and they were enemies of Israel and uh, Assyria was a a country that was coming up in great power uh, during Jonah's day and eventually about 50 years later Assyria conquered um, Israel and so, uh, and then I think uh, probably another 70 or 80 years later, uh, Assyria was no more. So maybe they turned away from God again. But uh, Assyria was wicked. It was a wicked nation. Uh, they were evil against God. They exhibited, uh, they exploited the, uh, the helpless. They uh, were cruel in war. They also worshipped idols. They, they worshipped many gods. Uh, prostitution was rampant in their society. And they engaged in witchcraft. So there were a lot of things that they were doing that was, went against the, the things of the Lord. So let's look at Jonah. We're going to be looking at chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 4. And uh, you can go back and, and read Jonah. It's a short, uh, short book in the Bible. Uh, Jonah 1.1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, uh he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. And what we find, uh I think what we can read when we or are, are gather from what we read in Jonah is Jonah hated Nineveh. He he hated these people. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to see them get saved. Um uh, And so let's read on here in verse 3, Jonah 1, 3. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Have you ever tried to get away from the Lord? Let me tell you, it doesn't work. Okay. To get away from the Lord, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Okay, so Tarshish was this direction and Nineveh was this direction. He tried to go the complete opposite direction to get away. Let's let's read on in verse three. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So he gets on a boat, and many of you know the story. Uh, he gets on the boat, and there and the Lord causes this great storm to to come about. And uh, he's asleep, and these guys on the ship are trying to figure out. They're praying to all their pagan gods, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're throwing. Uh, cargo off the ship so it doesn't sink and they go down and Jonah's asleep and they wake him up and they're like you know you need to pray to your God and he had already told them that he was running from the Lord and and all of this was about because of his disobedience and so again we see that whenever we disobey whenever we do something against the Lord it doesn't just impact us it impacts our family. And here are these guys were having to throw cargo overboard um, that they were responsible for, but try to keep the ship from, from sinking. And so, you know the story. They, Jonah says, well, just throw me overboard. And they're like, no, no, we don't want to do that. And he's like, yeah, it's my fault. Just throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard. Boom. The storm stops. And the Lord sends a big fish to swallow Jonah. And so we know that he was in the, the fish for three days. And, uh, and, and during this time, uh, Jonah has a little come-to-Jesus meeting and uh, come-to-the-Lord meeting. And he, you know, he's crying out to the Lord. Well, the big fish spits out Jonah onto the, onto the beach. And uh, so that was what was going on there for three, three days or so. Uh, so let's jump ahead to chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. I think Jonah listened this time. I think he realized he couldn't run away. Um, Let's let's read on in verse 3. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. So we're talking about a a huge area, a a huge city. And and some some things that I read said that the city was 30 to 50 or 60 miles uh, across it. So it was a huge area. And there were, uh, you know, a number of people living there. And so what we see is that although Jonah didn't give a rip about Nineveh and the people there, God loved them. God had a desire for them. Even though they were wicked, they were evil, and they were doing all these things, God's heart has always been for people. Um, So this time Jonah obeyed, and he went to to Nineveh. Verse 4 says, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. Verse 5 says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And so, you know, we have taken times of fasting when we want to pray, when we're praying about a situation, whether that be corporately as a church or you fasted from time to time when you have situations going on. And uh, so that's a time where we just pull back and get alone with God and spend time with him. But also wearing burlap was a sign of mourning or submission. Uh, You'll see in the Bible where sometimes something happened and they would take ashes ashes, and they would throw it on themselves. That was a sign of sorrow, mourning, uh, maybe repentance, submission. So let's look at verse 6. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying... He stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. What we find here is that the people of Nineveh are believing this message. And not only are they believing it, but they're doing something about it, even the king and his nobles. And so they send out this decree throughout the city. No one... Not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. So they're call, the, the king and the nobles are calling for a fast, and they're saying, even the animals aren't going to eat. We're taking this seriously. And uh, we're going to, you know, maybe the Lord will relent. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay. So people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. <laughs> Have you ever seen like uh, at Christmas time people put sweaters on their dogs and cats and stuff like that? Okay, so he's saying we're. G- I want you to put burlap on them, which was probably not very comfortable. I mean, I don't know how easy it is to get an animal into a sweater, but uh, they probably didn't like the burlap. But the point is, is that they were taking this very, very seriously. Yes. <laughs> More seriously than. Some Christians do more seriously than Israel did from time to time when God would try to bring them back. Um, So anyway, he said that even the animals are going to not eat and they're going to wear, wear burlap. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all the violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Verse 10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Well, wait a minute. I thought God never changed his mind. Is this a contradiction of Scripture? Because it says that he changed his mind. Here's the thing. God's judgment... And punishment may soften. And I think we're all thankful for that. But his love for us never changes. His character never changes. The Word says that God, doesn't, God does not just demonstrate love. God is love. So that is not just part of his character. That's not just part of what he demonstrates. That is part of the, the fabric of who he is. God is love. So when we look at the scripture, we say, well, did he change his mind? He didn't change his mind. He softened what he was going to do because he loved those people, even though they were wicked and evil and had nothing to do with them until they got this decri- this warning and then they changed their, uh, then he said, I'm not, I'm not going to do what I had planned. And he does not change his desire to have this relationship with us. I want to give you an example. This is, this is a story that I made up. But, but I, want to, I want you to, to envision this. Your 16 or 17-year-old son comes to you. Or, well, actually, uh, your 16- or 17-year-old son goes to a party, and you find out that your son was drinking at this party, one. You also find out that not only was he drinking, but he was driving one of the family cars after he'd been drinking. And uh, so you have a little meeting with your son. You say, uh, son, I'd like to talk to you about something. I heard that uh, last weekend you were at this party, and you were drinking and driving. I have one question for you. What were you thinking? (laughs) You're 16 or 17 years old. You're drinking alcohol. That is against the law, one, okay? And we've talked about it. You're not to drink alcohol. Certainly when you're underage, you don't drink alcohol at at home and you're not to go to a party and drink and then if that's not enough you're driving under the influence do you not know that that is against the law as well do you not understand the, the implications and the ramifications of what could have happened if you would have gotten in a wreck if you would have hurt somebody or or God forbid you would have killed someone and so you have this conversation with your son and you say um, let me see your driver's license now he gets real nervous. And you say, I'm going to take this. You're not going to drive for six months. You're going to ride the bus to school every day. You're going to ride the bus from school to home every day. And you can hear the resistance. Well, Dad, that means I have to get up like 45 minutes earlier to, go to catch the bus. Well, maybe you should have thought about that last weekend. Well, Dad, that means the bus ride is even longer. I get home an hour later. Do you want me doing homework till 10 o'clock at night? Well, maybe you should have thought about that. And so you're having this conversation, and, and your son is resistant. He's saying, Dad, this is my senior year, and really, you're going to do this? And, and you say, yeah, yeah, this is what we're going to do. But what happens over time? You overhear a conversation with your son, and he's on the phone and he's talking to one of his friends. And you you hear just your son's side of the story. He's like, "No, I I can't go to Billy's after after school on Friday. I'm, you know, I'm quarantined. <laughs> I have to ride the bus home. And yeah, I know, I know. It, it, it's really a drag, and and I don't like it. But uh, this is, you know." Last weekend when we went drinking, or a few weeks ago when we went drinking and then I drove, my dad found out, and I'm being punished, and this is a punishment. And so I'm not going to be able to join you guys. And uh, But then you hear your son say something like, you know, that was, as, as much as I hate this, I understand why my dad did it. And so in a few months when I get off probation, then, you know, we can talk about it. So over time, you observe that your son has has come to an understanding of of the importance of his disobedience. And you see him repentant. You see that he's making better choices. And uh, you see that he's acting more responsibly. So after four months, you have another meeting with your son and... and, uh, And you tell him, you know what, son, I think you learned your lesson here. I think you understand the gravity and the magnitude of what you did and how dangerous that was. Not only dangerous, but how disobedient it was. And so I told you I was going to hold your driver's license for six months, but I'm only going to hold it for four and a half. And so your son, he's all excited and He's happy, and you begin to walk off. And as you turn to walk away, your son says, Dad, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that I I broke your trust. I'm really sorry that I disobeyed. I'm really sorry that I acted so irresponsible. And I have to tell you honestly, Dad, I did not like the punishment and what you mandated that I would have to go through. But I can tell you that as much as I didn't like it, Dad, it was the right thing. And, Dad, I want to tell you how grateful I am that you care about me that much and that you love me that much. And, and even though I didn't like it, Thank you, Dad. And so what do we see here? We see an example of where did, did the dad change his mind? What was his heart? What's the heart of the father? That we have this relationship, that he protects us, that he watches over us for our own good. So even though this is a made-up story, it still makes me want to cry. <laughs> but I think this is a great example of the Father's heart, that he loves us that much. He's not looking to get us and punish us. You know, there, there's a, a scripture, I think it's in Proverbs, that says, "Punish your, uh, You know, discipline your children. It may save their life. It may save their very life if you discipline your children. And here's an example of something like this where had had he continued to drink and drive, he he could have been in a car accident, killed himself, killed someone else. Okay, so let's go back to Jonah. Let's go to chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to look at 9 through 11. And let's look at Jonah's heart and what's going on here. This change of plans... uh, God deciding to, to not destroy Nineveh. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Jonah's mad. Why? God just, you know, saved these people. Well, let's read on. Verse, uh, Jonah 4-2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? He's got an attitude. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to be inconvenienced. He didn't care about those people. Verse 2 continues, That is why I ran away to to Tarshish. Verse 2 continues, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Jonah, hello. Remember when you were in the fish, you were kind of crying out. Was God merciful and compassionate to you, but yet you don't want him to be merciful and compassionate to all these other people? Really? You have a short memory? <laughs> do, you want to go, do you want to go back into the fish? <laughs> I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Do we see, do we recognize God's love for us in that manner in our own life? Do we recognize that in other people's lives? They may bug us. <laughs> well, what's really going on in their life? Maybe God is, is giving grace to them to help them. <laughs> and maybe the Lord is using us to extend grace to them to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be gracious to them, to look beyond their anger, their issues, I mean, we have one or two issues ourselves, probably. (laughs) And we want people to be gracious to us. But Jonah is complaining that God is merciful and compassionate to these people. But yet he doesn't see how merciful and compassionate God has been to him. So my first point this morning is God never changes. He is a constant. My second point is God's love for us and his character remains constant. His greatest desire is to have this relationship with us. And then the third point is God's co- uh, correction demonstrates his love for us. Let's look at uh, Jonah 4.2. two continues, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. And then Jonah makes this stupid comment. He's like, just kill me now, Lord. Just kill me now. Have you ever seen a a child just throwing a tantrum? Well, just kill me now. (laughs) That is kind of what Jonah is doing here. I can envision that. Verse 3 continues, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Wait a minute. There's something even deeper than just throwing a tantrum. Kill me now if what I predicted doesn't happen. That smells like a lot of pride to me. I said this was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. <laughs> pride is horrible. Pride, you know, he, his pride is more important to him than the lives of these people. Verse 4, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? So he goes and pouts, and he goes and he sits to see what's going to happen to the city. And the Lord causes a plant to grow, and he's happy with the plant because it provides some shade in the heat of the day. And then God allows a worm to come and eat through the plant, and it withered away. (laughs) Let's pick up on the story in in, uh, Jonah 4. Verses 9 through 11. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? What what did you do to to cause this plant to grow? And you're angry about it? Jonah's response. Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. There's something going on here in Jonah. (laughs) But before we start pointing the finger at Jonah, maybe we need to look in the mirror. What is our attitude? If God wants to do something for us, if God wants to take something away from us, it all comes from Him. You know, and I I was thinking about how blessed we are to have the giftings that God gives to us. How blessed we are to have the provision that we have. I was thinking about Mark Johnson I was thinking about how blessed I am to get to do this, to get to to be a a pastor and get to lead this church. Do you know that is a tremendous privilege and honor? And I never want to take that for granted because God could have chosen anyone, but he chose me. That's a privilege and honor. And so God has given you giftings. God has given you talents. God has given you things. God has given you anointing. Never take those things for granted because he can take those things away. He can, he can take away the anointing. And yet, Jonah is called to go and, 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 and you know, proclaim this decree from the Lord that hopefully 120,000, 150,000 people will repent. And look at his cruddy attitude. I don't want to go, God. I'd rather die. If you're not going to destroy them, then just kill me because of my pride, because of my arrogance, because of my issues, because of my insecurities, because of whatever. And so God, when God gives us a task, when God gives us an opportunity to do something for him, we need to have the right heart and attitude because he can use someone else And then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because this plant died? Yes, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. And then this is interesting. Not to mention all the animals. God cares about the animals. But he cares more about people. And he's saying, you care more about these other things than these 120,000 people that are living in spiritual darkness? Do you not have my heart, Jonah? Do you not understand my passion? Apparently you don't. And these, uh, he says, uh, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? The Lord says, these people that were evil, wicked, that had rejected God, God still loved them. God still loved us when we were doing stupid, crazy things. I want to contrast this with Israel. We talked about uh, in Hebrews um, recently, I think last week. But when they continued to break the covenant with the Lord, This is what the writer of Hebrews says in 8, 8 through 10. But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. And so time after time after time after time, we see where Israel Disobeyed, and God would turn his back on them. But he never rejected them. Like a good father, he was willing to punish them or let them go through stuff. I mean, sometimes they just walked into a trap themselves because they had turned away from God. Verse uh, Hebrews 8.10, But this is a new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And that's God's greatest desire, that we will have this relationship with him, that we will make him Lord and Savior, and that we'll be his people, and that we can navigate through the challenges of life holding on to him and allowing him to guide us and lead us and direct us. He never said we wouldn't have trouble. In fact, he said we would have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But we can hold on to His hand, and uh, and then just in closing here in, in Romans eleven twenty nine, I want to go back and talk about the responsibility that we have uh, as Christians when God gives us a task, when He gives us um, giftings or whatever. Um, Romans eleven twenty nine says, "For God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn." So. If you're given a gift, God is not going to take that gift away. Now, if you turn and walk away from the Lord, he can remove the anointing, and I've seen that happen. So, have you ever seen someone, maybe a televangelist or somebody like that, that um, they, they had significant issues where they walked away from the Lord or, or a, a rampant sin in their life or something like that? And then you see them later, and, and they're still a good preacher or they're still a good teacher. Well, this is reflective of the scripture. God is not taking that gift away. Now, he may remove the anointing, but he's not going to take away the gifts. And so when God gives us a gift, whether that be prophetic or teaching or serving or whatever God gives us, we need to take that seriously and we need to honor God with our life and with that gift, knowing that he chose to give us those gifts. And He wants us to do something with them because He could have chosen anyone. But like this example with Jonah, Jonah had a cruddy attitude. And, and God still used him anyway. And then Jonah had a cruddy attitude still. So let's make sure that we're focused on the Lord and allowing Him to work through our lives because if we make Him Lord and Savior, He's supposed to be the Lord of our life. We're supposed to be His servants. We're supposed to be doing what He's asking us to do. If you will obey, I will bless you. It's not ritualistic or legalistic. It's, it's relational. Son, if you, if you do good on your grades, I'll buy you a car. Not because I want you to jump through all these hoops but because it's my good pleasure to bless you. And that's what the Lord wants to do. And I want to remind us of this word that, that we received on May 13, 2020. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. And I hope you're praying about that with me. Because we're we're praying, we're saying, Lord, can you give us greater insight and revelation? But regardless, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. We need to remain focused on him because the situation is going to change. The world is going to shift and change. But he is a constant that we need to hold on to. God turned his back on Israel, but he never rejected them. And many of us know what that's like when we've turned our back on God and God has always been there. Come back, son. Come back, daughter. God made a covenant through the blood of Jesus And we can have this relationship with the Lord. That is his greatest desire. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and uh, you want to recommit your life to the Lord. Or maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And and if that's you, slip up your hand. I'd I'd love to pray with you. Anybody here? Okay. I want to pray this prayer because there may be somebody watching online today. It says, I once had this relationship with the Lord, but I've walked away. Or maybe you're watching and you say, I've never had a relationship with the Lord. We can fix that today. If you'll just pray this prayer. It's not about the words as much as it is about your heart. If you would just repeat this prayer. And just say, dear Jesus, come into my heart today. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I ask you to help me to forgive those that have hurt me. I ask you just to help me. And I receive your grace and your forgiveness, your mercy and your compassion and forgiveness for all my sins. I receive it today. And this is a new day. And I thank you for it that all those things are gone, they're washed away, it's wiped clean, and this is a new beginning for me. Have if you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer for you. I pray, Lord God, that anyone, well, really for all of us, Lord, that our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit would increase, that our passion and our desire to follow you, to obey you, and do what you've asked us to do, would be stronger, Lord God. That we would not live compromised lives, that we would stay focused on you, and that we would yield to you, and that our sensitivity would increase, that we're hearing your small, still voice speaking to our hearts, even in the little things. Like, go give somebody five bucks. Like, just say an encouraging word. Just pray for so-and-so right now. Lord God, that we would have a greater sensitivity obedience to your holy spirit and we thank you for this in jesus name we're in god's hands and again god never says that we won't go through things things happen in life but we have the confidence that he is there with us walking with us through the challenges and the changes of life and That should bring great comfort to us. And that's why this relationship is so vitally important. Religion doesn't do it. Legalism doesn't do it. It's only relationship. Amen. I love you guys so very much. You're wonderful. And uh, I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do in the future. And uh, we've seen him move mountains. We'll see him do it again. Amen. So if you've got a mountain in your life, just keep looking to him, just ask, asking him for help and guidance and leading. Well, uh, if you'll stand let's recite this blessing, and I, I want to thank also before we close today, I, I want to thank uh, Dan and Cydia for allowing us to use this beautiful facility, <laughs> Pima Gardens, 1019 Lewis Drive in, in Pima, Texas, and uh, You guys are just so wonderful and so gracious to us, so thank you. And I also want to acknowledge our our Tech Arts team and and all of you that are helping to get equipment here every week. Set it up, tear it down, get it back. You guys are like rock stars, you know. Well, okay, maybe more like rock star roadies. But anyway, (laughs) thank you so much. Uh, And I want to thank all of you for joining us. So uh, let's recite this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in His blessings. God has gifted you. God has anointed you. God has called you to go out and live it. We'll see you next week. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website lifefellowship.me We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!